Hi, I'm Michael Radigan. Uh, this is three cheers for gold ten appearance. I'm gonna try uh, to remember all the Twitter, uh, everyone's Twitter handles. Uh, you can follow me at Mikey Rads. You can follow my co-host Catherine Silverman at Catherine M Silverman. Right, Cat? Was that? No, it's Cat M Silverman. Fuck, I was you're close. close. You're so close. <laughs> you know what? I I had a few drinks earlier, so um, and you can follow our producer Maxwell Spar at Maxwell Spar, and you can follow our uh, Twitter account, the podcast Twitter account uh, at the number three. Cheers for goal, the number one. Is that right? I think that that's... is correct. All right. Okay. I'm close to getting it. One of these days, I'm going to get all of them. Um, You're so close. But today, you didn't call me by my Twitter name. So we're, we're taking name. baby steps forward. It is baby steps. Um, so right now, we're going to uh, go into our interview. Kat's going to tell us a little about our interview uh, that we have coming up next. Um, so Kat, tell us what we, uh, who's joining the show. All right. Joining us tonight, we have a super fun guest. Uh good friend of mine, one of the first people I worked for when I moved here to Arizona. Uh, he's the director of amateur hockey development for the Arizona Coyotes and vice president and hockey director for the Arizona Kachinas. It's the all-girls program here in Arizona overseen by the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, this is Matt Schott. Matt, how are you doing today? I am good, Kat. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Mikey. Appreciate, appreciate uh, you guys wanting to talk about this stuff. It's exciting for us. Well, yeah, we're uh, we're excited because I know uh, I know that growing hockey in the valley is a, a really really near and dear to your heart sort of sort of project here. But mostly, you you're you've been one of the people over the last I'd say five or so years that I think has done some of the most legwork almost around the NHL proper in in terms of growing the girls' game, not just the women's game, but the girls' game from the ground up. Uh, like I said, you're the vice president and hockey director for the Arizona Kachinas. That's uh, refresh my memory. What age does that start and what does it go through? But it's an all girls program, correct? Yeah. So it's the all girl, the only all girls program in the state of Arizona. Uh, the Arizona Coyotes oversee it, <clears throat> help subsidize it, help, you know, cover some of the costs. Uh, and we have teams from eight U so eight and under all the way up to 19 and under. So um, this season, we're we're looking at 12 total teams, um, and then we also have our small fries program, which is like the the next step after our learn to or yeah our little little howlers learn to play. So that's also a little group, um, which is for kids six to 12 that are just starting with hockey. So we're we're technically the Kachinas do 12 or six year olds all the way up to 19 year olds. That's awesome, and I know that the last time I talked to you about it. There were some pretty decent numbers. I know that 12 teams, that, that blows my mind because I think when, when I first started, started working with you, there were only maybe four or five girls teams around the state. Um, and 12 is, I mean, that's, to me, that's such a huge number. Uh, what sort of enrollment numbers are you guys looking at at the moment? Uh, we're, <clears throat> so yeah, we, uh, we're probably going to be a little over 200 that's kids amazing. at least because we're, you know, average of 15 on a team at 12, it's, I mean, I'm not that great at math, but I'm, I'm <laughs> close to 
<laughs> but we were at we were at a like the the rule is for us to be a state recognized uh, association. We need seventy five um, members, and we were at a hundred and I think one hundred and fifty seven last year, one hundred and sixty three or something like that. I forget what like it's. I know it's specific numbers, but I know those two numbers are very similar or um, memorable to me. So I think that's around where we were, and then adding the teams we are this year. Um, we should be cracking 200, which is technically bigger than two or three other uh, co-ed or boys uh, programs around the state. So that's yeah. not not that we should get into a pissing contest, but like that's that's awesome. I love hearing yeah. that. Um, and speaking of that, speaking of adding these teams, you guys added something else new um, this past week. You guys finally got to a to make a big announcement that, that I know you've been super excited about. Um, there's now a rink down in, I believe it's centrally located in Mesa, correct? Um, and talk talk a little bit about what's what's so special about this rink that's opening up. So yeah, we, uh, <clears throat> we uh, the Kachinas will be the main tenant at the uh, new rink right now. It's called the AZ Arizona Made Ice Forum. Uh, it's Country Club Drive and just a little north of Main Street. Uh, you can actually, we, we, me and uh, Lindsey Fry were there the other day and we actually could hear the light rail. So it's actually very, very close to the light rail, which is convenient. Um, but uh, we've, I, I mean, Eddie Hill and uh, Kelly Olson, are they, they're the owners. They run Hill Hockey Clinics and they've been, in, they've been doing clinics here for a long time and he's always wanted to do this. He reached out to me back in October just to see what the Coyotes could do and like the development programs we could do. And I was like, well, you know, we have our, we have all our little, little howlers, howler second strike, hoping to do a, like a little half ice house league. And then our growlers program, just kind of going over the different programs we could do and how we can help them and what he needed to do his own program and everything. And when we realized like now that there's a tier one program now running out of one of our rinks, a tier one boys program, that ice would be a little bit more limited there. And then the other, you know, the other rink that we skate at added another uh, team to their, to their, you know, uh, list of teams to their program. And we just, we knew that that would, again, that lower the number of ice sheets. So we were, we were stuck, you know, having to figure out what to do. And, and Eddie kind of, kind of came to our rescue and was like, how about we're your home? You know, his wife, Kelly played in Minnesota. Um, so, and they, and he has two daughters. Um, <clears throat> And, you know, so he just, he was like, how, how cool would that be? Like, you guys could call this home. Like, we're not going to, I pretty, I mean, like when I told him the process that they have to do in order to have their own like youth hockey association sanctioned by, you know, the state of Arizona, he was like, I don't have the time to do that. Like I need a main tenant, you know, we couldn't grow without having our own place at the end of the day. And, and, you know, we're thankful. I mean, like I, I, I expressed my gratitude to, Arcadia and Oceanside and all the other rinks that helped us but those two specifically kind of for being like there 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 are there are you know adopted you know households for for a season or two and and really helped us grow the small fries and the Kachinas programs and then you know just the 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 guy the kids got to grow up and and you know find their own place to continue to grow up and that's what we kind of did as we flew the coop and found our own home and and I mean we're we're beyond excited we've already like we've done two walkthroughs 
we're looking at, you know, we're, we're going to have a big coach's room for all of our coaches. We're looking, there's an off ice center with a skating treadmill. Um, we're already talking about how we can like just, just fancied up Kachina so that when girl or people walk in there, they know it's, it's our rink. Um, not to mention it's, it's also the best logo in, in, the, in this league. So, I mean, that's beneficial, but let them know like this is our house. Um, and like, there's even potential to have, you know, permanent locker rooms there, you know, so like our 19 team or our 16 U team can have their own personal locker room there. That's not for sure, but I mean, there's space. That's how big this place is. Um, there's space that there's potential for that. And, and it's just, it's just exciting to see all that, that uh, what could be stuff out of there right now. So. And that's, that's amazing. Like, like I said, I think, I think when I first got here, there were maybe four or five teams for girls. Um, I think for a while there, you were coaching a team that was, you had a, like a U14 and a U19 team. And the yep. U19 team was, was that U14 team with three additional girls who were too old for the U14 team. And, yep. and so seeing that, that you've been able to get those, those numbers really, I think uh, speaks to how many girls here wanted to play hockey and didn't necessarily have the structure and the opportunity to really get it done. Um, so looking forward, what does uh, what does having that home mean for you guys? Uh, just looking at in terms of in terms of the growth of the program, is there anything that you guys are hoping in the future that you'll be able to add that you don't have at the moment in terms of teams, um, coaching staff stuff like that? I mean, we're we're the the thing it offers us is the ability to grow as much as we need it to, as long as it fits within the one sheet facility ice you know ice times. Um, and I think we're, I don't, I don't think we're like decades away, but we're still pretty far away to be at, to being at a point where we need two ice sheets. So, I mean, like the fact that <clears throat> Eddie and, and Kelly have pretty much come to us and said, you get first crack and we'll sell the rest means, I mean, that's, that's the most important thing is, is it's a blank sheet for us to be like, all right, we want all these times, these times, these times, these times. And, and like, you know, not have to worry about, well, this team needs this, this team needs this and this. And, and at the end of the day, like we can't fault those organizations. We did come in, you know, after them and, and had to piggyback on what they, they did. But at the same time, like this just, this allows us to grow and, and be our own, you know, controller of, of, of that growth. And I mean, the other thing that's really good about it is for our, our older teams, our tier two teams, 14, 16 and 19 new teams, um, we're, we've already started discussions that, that this season we're starting what is going to be called the Western Girls Hockey League um, with teams from Colorado, New Mexico, Idaho, uh, Utah, Vegas, um, Texas, that they're at those levels, we're going to host showcases once a month, four or five teams come in, you play four or five games keep stats, keep standings, have a playoff at the end of the year. And so like what that allows us to do is now we have this home that we can host those showcases without having to like fit, you know, you got to go one game at Oceanside and then you got to go one game at Arcadia, one game at Ice Den. Now those can be overloads if we need more from what we're, we're doing with, with our own ranks. So um, it just, it, it really does give us that that potential to do what what we want. I mean, you talked about what other things we can do. Like, obviously, small fries doesn't now have to be a, a summer only program, you know, because we have little howlers, girls that that 
you know, they, they finish in October, November, and they don't now have to wait until, you know, April or May to get started in small fries. We can do it year round. Um, the other thing that we've discussed is, is having finally trying to bring back there that Chandler polar ice when it was called polar ice, uh, they used to have a women's league and it just kind of, dis, you know, disappeared. And I know that there's been attempts to do it, but like with our Kachina's coaches, and their connections, we've discussed having something that's similar to what like Packer hockey and Hawkheads do, which is like they're, they're groups that run pickup sessions, but it would be all women. The lines would be set based on skill. You know, what we were talking about was like at the beginning of every season, you draft your team, you know, four new captains, draft the teams, play each other, you know, throughout the year. Next year, it's four new captains, four new drafts. Year it's you're with different ladies, you're with different women, you know, you're making new, new friends and all that sort of stuff, new teammates and hoping to expand that now allowing again, more women to play the game, starting the growlers for women's programs there. Like it is, our goal is obviously it's not going to be a women's only, but there's just, it now allows us as, as you know, an association focused on growing the women's game to have those different options to say like, Oh, moms want to play. Let's, you know, here's a growlers or we were at one point considering calling it mama fries. Um, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> just cause we've already got Lindsay kind of branded on that. So like we, we kind of joked about that, but then we when then we formed growlers. So we weren't sure how to, if we wanted what branding we wanted, but regardless, like it just gives us, it gives us the opportunity to start now at like four or five years old and go all the way up to 50, 60 years old, which is what, I mean, I've always stressed to our little howlers, parents, when we have our graduations, we don't, we don't teach your kids this so that when they're 18 and they didn't make it pro, they quit. We want them playing until they're 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, and then passing it on to their kids and grandkids and all that. We don't, you know, so that this gives us a chance to do that for women's hockey too. Uh, Matt, are you seeing? Well, I I can't wait. Are you seeing? John. Uh, sorry, are you seeing girls from your like U19, U19? Uh, U16 team, U14 team, are any of them uh, going on to play any college hockey at all, whether it be D1, D3, and is, is the goal to, you know, get some, uh, you know, to, to eventually play D1 and grow the college game a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. We, we, uh, we actually have a person hired, uh, or not hired, but like that, she, she, her job with the Kachinas, Vanessa Mains, is to find girls placement in college, in collegiate programs. You know, they, they, She's great at meeting up with them, um, asking them what their, what their goals are, what they want to go to school for, what, you know, what areas they want to go to, and then helps find those connections to make it happen, tell them what needs to happen. And I mean, we have so many connections from Katie McGovern playing at UMD. You know, we have McKenna Newkirk that was at, even though she doesn't coach for us, she's, she's great friends with everyone here. So she can help with, you know, the connections she's made. Aaron Kane played at University of Vermont, was leading, their leading scorer of all time until Pelkey came in and kind of took over. But, you know, Lindsay has a ton of connections. Vanessa has a ton of connections. Natalie has a ton of connections. We just have so many connections that that's part of our goal is to, is to reach those out. Last year we had our, I mean, first season, we had our first girl that signed uh, NCAA D3. Um, uh, it's a startup program. And, and, you know, that was our first, I mean, we, we have a, we have a, you know, a chart of goals that we want to meet. And I don't think we had an NCAA signing until at least year two or three. So the fact that we got that out in, in year one, that was, that was awesome. 
and then having Natalie as a great connection to GCU's ACHA D1 team. And a lot of our coaches are players on the ASU, G or ASU ACHA D1 team that like we have great connections there as well if, if, if their focus is just school more than, you know, hockey. But, I mean, that's definitely a goal. And, and I think now, you know, this, this only, again, gives us more, more validity and more, um, you know, pe people kind of look at us as more of a real, real association to, to give our girls that chance. I know we've talked in the past about how uh, one of the goals was was keeping girls here in Arizona. We talk about Katie McGovern. We talk about Lindsay Fry. Um, knowing Lindsay over the years, she said that one of the toughest parts was was keeping girls here in Arizona once they reached a certain talent level. I know uh, Kalia Johnson. She played in the NWHL as well. She went to California and then she ended up going to prep school back east. Lindsay Fry went to prep school. McKenna Newkirk and Katie McGovern, I believe, both ended up going to prep school either up north or back east. And so do you think that obviously having a rink doesn't immediately create the level of program that we need to keep the girls here? But do you think that that's, that's one of the, the crucial steps to really creating a program with, with some staying power to help keep these girls here in Arizona so that the programs can continue to grow? Yeah, for sure. It definitely does. And, and like, we definitely don't face it any, as much as we did in the past especially like when I was coaching uh, the Lady Coyotes at first, we'd have girls that would leave to Anaheim um, or Colorado to play equivalent tier two level. It was just with technically better teams that were not as widespread with age. And that's frustrating for us because when you leave a tier two program and you're willing to dr fly or drive, you know, hours you know, every weekend and spend that money for another tier two program, that's disheartening. Uh, we don't have that right now. We, we've lost a couple of the tier one programs, which is fine. We're not tier one yet. We can't, I mean, we can offer the same amount. It's just, we don't have the skill level that tier one is. And that's, you know, we're a few years away from that, both technically legally by the Arizona Amateur Hockey Association. We aren't allowed to apply for tier one status for three, until we're three years existence. So we can't technically be tier one for another couple of years. So at, at the end of the day, if there's, if they have an opportunity to go play triple a somewhere, that's something higher than us, go for it. If you're being offered to go somewhere tier two, that's the same thing we have. It makes no sense. And we haven't had that problem anymore. And I think like, just, just having the stability and the fact that we're not, we're not parent run. We have a couple parents of the pro of girls in the program that help and, and are assisting in the board, but if you, like the main people that run it are, you know, me, Lindsay, Aaron, Aaron Kane, Katie, uh, Vanessa, and Natalie. Like uh, us six, we're all you know, none of us have kids. Um, not only one of us is married. Like it's you know, two are married. No, I don't know. But anyway. Um, <laughs> it, it, like, they uh, like we're in this we're not in this for any one specific player we're not in this for any for our kids or anything we're in this for the betterment of the game all these girls play you know so um eventually we'll get there and I don't think we'll lose as many girls as as we did in the you know as we do now which is still minimal but um we we still you know we still do lose some but it's for an understandable reason you know tier one is definitely more enticing than than tier two right now so that's awesome. I know that's uh that's something that you've really been working towards and it's really cool hearing that 
that it sounds like that's really coming into fruition. And uh, I, for one, can't wait to be the last drafted goalie in the all women's <laughs> league. Um, I'm going to be that last draft pick while, while Izzy's the first draft pick for a, uh, for the the youth program there but but knowing that there's a rink that you know both my daughter and I can play at is yeah that's that's so cool that's when I moved here six years ago that's not something that I thought was was even 10 years in our future and I know Lindsay tried to to sort of meter out a timeline when she and I sat down and talked about it in 2015 and we were just trying to figure out how far away we were from this so it's it's so cool hearing that that it's happening, you know, the, yeah. that you've managed to make it all come together. And, and I'm so grateful that you're able to come on and, and really tell us about this. I think a lot of our listeners uh, still don't know a ton about the landscape, not just of Arizona hockey fandom, but of, of the youth hockey scene here in Arizona. I know uh, Matt, our, our co-host here, Mikey, lives out on, on Long Island. I think uh, he lives in Queens now, but he's from New York. And so two total opposite ends of, of the country there in terms of of what there is to offer and so so I think it's cool that we're getting to uh to let everyone kind of know what's going on here and not just what's going on with youth hockey but with girls youth hockey because that's we we hear so much about how we need to grow the women's game and I think you're you're taking concrete steps to make that happen from the bottom up uh is there anything else that, that you think we haven't really given you a chance to touch on yet when it, when it comes to what you're doing for the women's game here? No, I mean, you, you mentioned it a little bit earlier of like, you know, the, the program and, and how it's kind of been a, a building block for other programs around the NHL. And it's the Rangers were one that they started their little Rangers. And I think, it, I think they got Kessel to be their female rep. Yeah, yeah, yeah she but, works with them. That sort of stuff started. I mean, like, again – not a guy to toot our own horn. All these organs, all these other NHL teams have unbelievable people in our same roles that have the ability to do this, but it's been cool to have like the Rangers contact us or contact Lindsay say, you know, tell us about your job, your role, what you did with the girls program and kind of give them and feed them ideas. Um, the, uh, you know, like the Capitals have Scrupa now, Haley Scrupa is their representative. The Blackhawks have, you know, Kendall Coyne and like having the Blackhawks send, they sent two of their staff members down when we launched this program last summer to see how we do it. And they spent the week with us or a couple of few days with us and, and saw how we ran the programs. And then they launched theirs and the Rangers launched theirs. And, you know, the Capitals are launching theirs, the Lightning have launched. It's just, it's really cool to see, you know, the rest of the NHL team see the importance and the value in the girls game. And it's, it's, you know, being a guy, I feel like a lot of people don't always see it as a genuine thing, but I think, you know, and I, I don't know if, you know, I'm pretty sure I've talked to you about this, Kat. The reason I do this is just, it get mainly because Lindsay, like she's, she's that, that opportunity. And now we have players like McKenna and Katie now that, it, that they, like these girls can look at too, that played professional hockey and, and have these role models. It doesn't have to be, you know, uh, like Wickenheiser said in that in that commercial that the PWHPA posted, you know, I, I wanted to be in the NHL. I wanted to be like, you know, guy players. It's like now they have these female players to model after and be role models or, you know, look up to and uh, try and try and be like. And I just at the end of the day, like 
not trying to do this for for likes and pats on the back i'm doing this because like it genuinely is something that needs to grow the game you know it needs to help grow our fan base it's right now i think it's 13 or 14 boys to one female hockey player in the state that i mean that's an entire team you can put an entire team of boys together before you even find a girl and that's just that's absurd like that's just an, an absurd uh, you know comparison um and I just, I, I need, we, we as the Coyotes need to change that and want to change that. And we're lucky that we have Javier, our new CEO, come in because he's all about this. When we told him about this opportunity, he was like, let's do it. Let's find a way to make this happen. He sees the value in growing the game. And it's been exciting to talk to him about that. And it's just, there's, this is just the first step in a ton of great things that I'm, I'm confident is, are coming towards the, the amateur hockey world in Arizona so so that's can you uh I guess we here in Arizona we don't know a ton about the new the new CEO here uh obviously he was he was brought in once once the COVID pause kind of hit here so we haven't gotten to see a ton from him but but it sounds like from what you've you've experienced so far he believes in growing the game as much as as much as Aaron Cohen did and that's I think that that was a huge legacy for Aaron Cohen before he before he left the team was he did a good job wanting to wanting to grow the game and it kind of sounds like like our new CEOs of a similar mindset which is which is super reassuring to hear yeah absolutely I mean he's he came in and and had a meeting with me and Lindsay both together and then individually and pretty much expressed to us how important he sees the amateur hockey growth um and I think and, and like I talked to him about this. He's, he's, he's a smart guy. He's, he's done investments for the Morello company for a long time. And if you think about it, that's what we are. We're an investment. Like you have to invest into the youth hockey world so that it can grow. And, and that's your main fan base. And he sees that, in my opinion, I feel like that's why, you know, he's smart enough to see that this is the investment. This, if you grow this, you have your guaranteed fans. And it's just, it's been reassuring to have, have that after, you know, having the support of Aaron for a while and now having it from Javier tenfold is just, it's, it's been, I mean, it's been a breath of fresh air. Um, just hearing him talk, talk about the importance that him and Mr. Morello and, and, you know, the exec team have in, in growing the game. So I, like I said, I'm the meetings I've had with him. have been uh, pretty, uh, pretty exciting for sure. So that's awesome. That's that's kind of exactly what we want to hear during during an off season like this, especially with a with the team heading into a into their first their first playoff run since 2012. I know we before we started recording here. I know we were we were talking a little bit about that. Uh, so we won't keep you on too long. I, I know you've you've got a bedtime. You've got some <laughs> some kids to coach in the mornings. Um, before we let you go, uh, I am going to ask you a, an NHL question. Couple, couple rapid fire ones here. Uh, first, which team are you most excited outside of the Coyotes to see during this first official playoff round? Unfortunately, it's the team we're playing. I love, I mean, and and like, I grew up a Wings fan, so That's it's right. even more painful to say like, the Avs are exciting <laughs> to watch. But I mean, like, I love McKinnon. I think McKinnon is like the, I, I know McDavid's one of the, but I just love watching him play. 
I, whenever I've gone to Colorado for any tournaments or anything, I always try and crap, catch an abs game. And he's just, he's so fun to watch in person. So like they're, they're definitely one of the teams I'm excited to watch. Um, I, it sucks. Cause I liked the way the Rangers, I, I like Panarin it's, I, but he's out now. I really wanted the Leafs and they're out now. Um, the Blues are also a team, even though they didn't do too hot in that that round or that round robin or whatever they did. They're always fun to watch too. But I'd say those two teams are the most exciting outside of the Coyotes, which I'm not allowed to watch. You know that rule, right? I'm 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 a curse. I'm not allowed to watch. You're them. a curse. <laughs> so if you're a curse, that that begs the question: Are you going to be allowed to watch the Avalanche? Or are you going to have to uh, record it and then go back afterwards and watch it? I follow on Twitter. Fortunately, we have a social media team. Um, I've told them this, that I appreciate how good they are because I'm not allowed to watch. Um, but I follow along on Twitter. Um, and, and I've had people like, well, why don't you watch and, and cheer for the avalanche? The hockey gods don't allow that. They, they don't. They, they don't. They catch they on. Give you that. My friends have told me I'm being punished because I was a Wings fan for so long and I saw such success forever that now I'm being punished by not being allowed to watch my team uh, be successful. All right. So final question for you. Obviously you said Nathan McKinnon is the player that you're, that you're really excited to watch here. Uh, obviously as a goalie, you know, I have to ask you the goalies. Who's the goalie you're most excited to see? Uh, I, I hate saying, I hate, praising Vegas, but I kind of like to see what Laner does. Ooh, that's an amazing one. Yeah. I like Laner. I I don't like that he's on Vegas because you also have Flurry, who's, you know, one year he's good, one year he's bad, one month he's good, one month he's bad. Flurry's got the best mask in the playoffs, so he's got that shiny gold LeMay monstrosity. Yeah, I I, I, I do want to see what Laner does, but Am I allowed to pick Kemper? Cause like he's, I don't know. Are I, I'll, you? I'll not be just for that. Just cause you were questioning that one. And also like, Vas- I like Vasilevsky. I feel bad for him. Cause I don't think it's his fault that his team just, just chokes. Like, I don't think that's his fault. I think it's, he does what he can. I, I think he's pretty, pretty damn. Good. You know how it goes when the team does well. You praise the team when the team does poorly. You blame the goalie. So never, it's a thankless job. I think I think definitely the laner uh, is will be the most intriguing just because he's playing Chicago, the team that sold him I off. Of the line. <laughs> I was I was talking about that today. Someone uh, someone asked me. They were like, "Hey, have you seen what what laner has been doing?" Um, on Twitter and and I was like yeah he's so he's been trolling people who were like oh he's playing he's playing his old team they know his weaknesses and he's just been wrecking them <laughs> and I don't I don't know where he gets the energy to be <laughs> in the bubble focusing on hockey and dismantling people on social media I wouldn't I wouldn't even have my Twitter on my phone no, I would I... delete it and he's he's out there like getting into getting into some keyboard wars which I love it. Like he's, he's such a fun personality. So I, I want to see, I want to see that, that series go as far as it can. I want to see him in that as much as I love flurry. Like we got to see that also since somebody, I believe it was Mark Lazarus with, with the athletic told me that Robin Lehner wears a hoodie under his goalie gear. 
that's psychotic. Which is psychotic. Like, how's that possible? That's so uncomfortable. That would be so uncomfortable. It yeah. makes me. It makes me uncomfortable. But he's he's like an all-world goalie. I think he's one of the most underrated guys in the league. Um, so clearly, he's doing something right. And you're not allowed to laugh at me when I show up in full goalie gear to to practice with Is once she learns how to play. <laughs> wearing a hoodie trying to be Robin Laner. Yeah, you're not allowed to laugh. So but we will we will let you go here. Is there anything coming in the pipeline for for the Kachinas that, that you wanna plug for our 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 listeners here? Anything that you wanna wanna no, say before we, you go? We got tryouts this week. We're excited. Uh I mean I'm def I'm coach I'm coaching that fourteen U and helping with the sixteen U team. All of our teams are gonna be great, but we're just we're excited for tryouts. It's my first one as hockey director, so I'm a little nervous on how I'm gonna screw it up. Um <laughs> so far Lindsay's told me I won't, but I you just won't. my lack of confidence always makes me feel I I'm doing something wrong, but so far eight years I don't think I've done too much wrong. So um yeah, I just just keep supporting us. Keep keeping an eye on us because, you know, you got teams like Mission. Uh, you got teams like the, you know, LA Lions, the Ducks, the Colorado Select. We'll be one of those teams soon. That's awesome. Well, well, good luck to all the girls and good luck to you. Um, I'm sure you won't mess anything up. Just just yeah. don't watch the Coyotes in the playoffs and uh, <laughs> hopefully we'll get a nice deep run of you, you watching on social. So Perfect. thanks so much for coming on with us. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Mikey. Thanks, Kat. Have a good one. Later, guys. Okay, so that was uh, that was a really great interview we had with Matt Schott. Thank you, thank you to him for joining the show. That was awesome. Very informative uh, about the girls' game and growing it in Arizona. Um, now we just want to get into you know talking about this week's games. But first, I need to air out some grievances. Um, Kat recently gave me the credentials to our Twitter account, and she's been getting very upset with my tweets, my, my Scott tweets. <laughs> uh i don't know why i i think you know ska is something cool it's something like if you were in 10th grade at any point in the uh early 2000s mid 2000s you know it was fun to listen to so you know i'm just trying to lighten things up and i don't know why you're bringing down my ska vibe was it wasn't it fun to listen to though so like i think we talked about this uh like one-on-one i don't think we've ever talked about it on air but, and so the guy who tried to take me into Scott in high school got married this weekend. His name's Danny Life. I'm super happy for him. Uh, I'm not able to be in Texas right now. A um, bunch of our friends were at the wedding. Were sending me texts about how awesome it was to be there. I, I'm very alone. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I was uh, I was in marching band for a year. And, and you don't like kids- ska? You were in marching band and you don't like ska. Yeah, I didn't like marching band. <laughs> marching band was terrible. Um, I was in it because, so my mom was in band and she, I'm not a good singer. And she believes that like learning a musical instrument is crucial to like your cognitive development, which kind of worries me. Like if this is my brain developed with music, like I don't want to know what it would have been like without it. So I guess, thanks mom. Um, but yeah, so I did band in middle school and then she was like I love marching band it was the best four years of my life so I was like cool I'll do marching band and very quickly realized that you cannot be a varsity athlete of any kind and then also be in marching band without dying my mom found me like asleep on our dining room floor one time and told me to drop something so I dropped band but 
not without developing like a very hearty appreciation for the other guys in drumline. Um, okay. They were all cute. They were, they were like all very much my vibe. Um, had the biggest crush on one of them, the aforementioned Danny Life. Um, and he made me a bunch of mixed CDs and they were all like Streetlight Manifesto, Keysby Nights <laughs> and shit like that. And I tried so hard to like it. And I listened to that stupid Keysby Nights album probably 50 times in high school. And you couldn't get trying, into it? Trying to like memorize it enough to pretend like I liked it. And I hated it. It was, it, it just, it wasn't my thing. Um, I was more into like, I was more into the emo metal side of things than the ska side of things. So while you were listening to Streetlight Manifesto and Say Anything and shit like that, oh, I was I busy listen listening to, to uh, I was busy listening to Avenged Sevenfold and the Devil oh. Wars Prada. So, so <laughs> I obviously was super into emo too. Uh, but you know, I've, you know, it's, de- it's depth. I have depth. You know, I like ska. I like emo. You know, it's, it's, I'm just a very complex person. Clearly, clearly. I think the only thing we like unified it, like universally agree on is that brand new was like brand new was if we look at like the epic handshake meme, it was yeah. like ska listeners, metal listeners, brand new listeners like that's yeah. that's what we came together on so yeah and now we can't even enjoy them anymore and now, so. we can't, now we can't we have to act like we don't like them now um so yeah so i keep seeing all this ska on our on our podcast um because like you said I, I gave you the keys to the twitter um i've been working playoffs and my job and have been very bad at keeping up on twitter you're much better about it although i don't know if better is the right word um <laughs> Because I keep, for our listeners, I keep getting texts from Mikey that say, shit, Kat, I think somebody, I think somebody might have hacked the pod account. There's something weird with it. And it took like three or four times of you texting that for my stomach to stop bottoming out. Like every time you texted it, I was like, shit. Because I got hacked last summer. And next thing I knew, there was like porn being posted from my Twitter account. And I had to like rapid fire go and change all my passwords and like change all my bank account passwords and stuff because I use the same thing for everything and so I was distinctly remembering seeing a giant pair of titties <laughs> tweeted from my twitter account um so I gave and you I was PTSD like, yeah you gave me PTSD with our with our podcast account and every time I go and I check when you say that we've like we've been hacked and you've tweeted something about like less than Jake and why we all need to listen to more Streetlight Manifesto. <laughs> no, you're, and, you're, you're <laughs> no, that's not what I said. It just it keeps happening. <laughs> it just keeps happening. Um, and I was wondering if there was a reason for it. Like, are you going through a crisis? Is there a reason that you keep tweeting about ska? Well, or is when, it just, is it just ska months? <laughs> when, when am I not in crisis? Let's just, okay, let's call it <laughs> Let's call a spade a spade here. I'm always in crisis. Uh, yeah, I kind of... Oh, man, I, I went a little off the rails today on our account. Uh, you really did. I had to, like, I had to go through and double-check everything that you were tweeting once I woke up from my nap. Um, <laughs> just realized that you tweeted about... I'm here to talk to you all about scoring goals off your ass. Thanks. 
Thanks. I, I I'm really glad that I got home from a run at seven this morning. I went out to grab a breakfast, got home, started to pat, like started to clean because my child comes home tomorrow. She's been visiting. She's been quarantining with her grandparents. Go to take a nap and see that you're tweeting about being replaced by Ray Liotta. <laughs> I was like, are you okay? <laughs> So one tweet, one tweet was, Cat's probably out doing something important, so I'm here to talk to you all about scoring goals off your ass. That's right, I'm talking about the puck hitting your tush and then flooding over the goalie. That's the good stuff, baby. Uh, I'm like, I'm a dad laughing at my own jokes. I'm so glad that we've got depths on this account, uh, on this podcast, sorry. Um, you know, we, we just talked about growing the girls game, and now we're talking <laughs> yeah. about scoring buck goals and, and streetlight manifesto. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm glad that this is I'm glad that this is where we're at today. Um, we have so speaking of speaking of layers um, and things that you've been tweeting. Uh, you keep you keep tweeting about John Tavares. Um, obviously, for for our listeners who are here, not just for our shitty music takes, but for our hockey takes. Um, first round has been set. Uh, your team, New York Islanders, they beat Florida. Um, Sergey Bobrovsky couldn't couldn't help that that ridiculous defense for Florida. Couldn't figure out how to do reverse VH. Uh, sure. Arizona upset the Predators. Uh, and the team that did not respond is the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> so let me just go into the Maple Leafs really quick, and then we'll talk about like our our teams and their series. Uh, it's it's just hilarious that they, that's it. It's hilarious. They lost, uh, to come back, you know, they came back in, what was it? Game four down three goals. They were down three, nothing or whatever it was with four minutes left, three minutes left. They come yeah. back, they win in overtime, uh, like incredible. They tie the series and you think the blue jackets would be broken. Like, how do you come? That is, that is, I've never seen. That's like complete that's like, meltdown from Elvis Merzlikens. No two ways around it. Seems yeah. like he might've gotten hurt. Potentially he was, yeah. he was unfit to play today. But in any case, like whether it was a physical meltdown or a whatever a what, a cognitive meltdown, he yeah. he blew it. Um, sure, and you know that's that's tough to come back from. That's you know I think also you, you think of a team coming back down from three goals with barely any time. The Bruins when they did it to the Leafs uh, in 2013. So it's you know it seemed like after being able to win in overtime on Friday night. Uh, and then you have, you know, the game tonight and they just, the Jack, Blue Jackets shut them down. That's, that's all they, the Leafs got, it they was had three nothing and it stayed three nothing. It, it's yeah, it stayed. They, you know, the Leafs had a lot of, they threw the puck at the net a lot. They didn't have a lot of quality chances. I thought it didn't, you know, and they, um, their, their defense really didn't give them a ton. I thought, and, you know, Anderson, I thought played well in the series i but that second goal he gave up was brutal and it was a brutal change that uh yeah the, that was Ooh. i i've never seen anything like that change oh like it's the whole team just got off the ice <laughs> like and the blue jacks came right down and scored scored on a weird angle shot that he he probably should have had and I, I don't necessarily blame him though i thought he was pretty good this series what do you what do you think um, yeah, I watched that second goal. Um, like I said earlier, I took a nap today. I, I finally broke, like I've been trying to watch all the games. I've been doing some, some Coyotes coverage. I've been doing some, uh, inexplicably some Vancouver Canucks coverage 
And for some reason, those are like the first scheduled game of the day and the last scheduled game of the day. So I've been up from like 7 a.m. to 11 or 11 p.m. or midnight trying to get in my runs each night for a for a hundred kilometer, a hundred kilometer total distance in August. I'm coaching someone through that. So I'm doing it with them. Um, Yeah. So I've been exhausted. So I napped during the Leafs game. Um, Let the chips fall where they may. Um, I think Eunice Corpusalo. Credit to him, like like you said, I whether there were good chances or not, he played stellar the first, I think it was two yeah. games, and then he struggled a little bit. They yanked yeah. him, they put in Elvis Merzlikens for the back half of game three. Yes. Um, he shut the Leafs down. He looked like he was shutting them down until those final three minutes of game four. And so for Corpus Allo, this is his first full year um like obviously he was he was the backup for Sergei Bobrovsky but he really didn't have a quality chance to right. to showcase himself with the with the blue jackets and i think that this year was a huge year of growth for him and it's hard enough to play in the playoffs right that's that's a nerve-wracking experience you're playing against a team that whether they played their best you have William Nylander, John Tavares, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner those are some offensive threats to face yeah it's a um, top 6 right there that's a yeah, that's a really high event top six to yeah. whether they're taking true quality shots or they're just sure. taking shots at you. That's that's nerve wracking. They're to gonna do get that, a lot of, they're to gonna get a lot of time. Exactly. And yeah. to do that, hold your own against them, but then slip up so badly that you get yanked and then have to go back in two games later. I think that could have easily been a situation where he he made some unforced errors. I mean, you talk about that second goal for Freddie Anderson. I saw that one. I watched it like Oof. 20 times trying yeah. to figure out what happened there. And I, there's, there's no explanation. There's no excuse. So he had a stinker on that goal. Uh, Jacob Markstrom, who's been one of the best goalies in the playoffs, he had a stinker. Um, I think it was either game four or five for, for Vancouver. I think it was game four. It seemed like every goal he let in was a reverse VH fail. He looked yeah. terrible. Darcy Kemper had a game where he looked like a mess for the first like 10 or 20 minutes of the game. Um, every goalie's had a stinker. And Eunice Corpusalo didn't make any unforced errors. He pitched a playoff shutout for that was, I think, his second playoff shutout against the Leafs. That's good for him. Like yeah. I I, mean, I know we're all laughing at the Leafs, as we should. Sure, they're annoying. <laughs> they're they're annoying. They're as somebody pointed out, they haven't won a playoff round since 2004. Yeah. And that's mind blowing to me. Yeah. Because. Yeah. You can accidentally win playoff rounds. Sure. Like I don't, I don't know how they've done this. Hot goaltending, you know, it's anyone can win a playoff round. Like, and that's coming from someone Except that for I, them, for, apparently. I was an Islander fan. They didn't want a playoff round for 25 years. So. <laughs> oh <my> um, <laughs> So yeah, that's that's good for the Blue Jack. I mean, they they swept the Lightning uh, last year. They're gonna they play the Lightning again. That's I think that'll be a pretty entertaining, uh, pretty entertaining series. Um, I I going back to the Leafs before we move on. I just I think it's a shame that John Tavares has to play on such a sad sack franchise. Like it's really depressing. I, I feel really bad for him. Um, I you know like may, maybe he'll get to the second round with them one day, but. Oh, that's, I, I hate to see it. Oh my God. 
I've just I, I did I, uh, I did I gave you I threw you a bone I retweeted from the pod account somebody decided to make uh, a Photoshop where they took that picture of John Tavares sleeping in his Maple Leafs sheets. Uh, they put the yeah. crying Jordan face on him. Um, yeah. Great. So awesome. I, I, I retweeted that for you. I appreciate You're that. Welcome. I love it. Um, I'm like, I think he's a good person, but I, I love to see the Leafs lose and I love to see him lose now. That That's all. I don't, I don't wish him ill will in his personal life or anything like that, but I, I love watching them lose, like most Islander fans. And um, yeah, so the, and going to the Islanders-Panthers series, the Islanders, I thought, handled the Panthers pretty well. Uh, you mentioned Panthers defense, not very good. Uh, but I thought Bobrovsky did we He was solid for most of that series, uh, but... He had- one bad goal, I think, uh, like yeah. one egregiously bad goal, and yes. it was unfortunately during their their elimination game where yep, that was every the... goalie's been failing on reverse VH. He yeah. chose not to play reverse VH and stayed standing for some yeah. inexplicable reason and let the puck like flutter in that between was, uh, his legs. That was the first goal too of the game. That was Beauvillier. It was like behind yep. behind I think the goal line on the side. It was some absurd angle, and he let that in, and then from there and it. Uh, the only the only reason the Panthers I think even won a game in that series is because the Islanders kind of shot themselves in, in the foot in Game Three with Varlam Var uh, how do you say his name uh, Varlam yes I can't pronounce any guys names um, he played the he played a puck uh, outside of the trapezoid which I haven't seen a goalie do in like ten years so oh clearly you don't watch Mike Smith oh true Mike Smith but so that's his shit right there he so, loves that. They, you know, they Panthers got a power play, scored a goal on that, and the Islanders took a too many men uh, penalty. Panthers got a power play, scored on that. But throughout the whole series, the Panthers only, when it came down to it, only scored two five-on-five goals. So it was the kind of series the Islanders wanted to play, and they got, you know, they got what they wanted. They got production from, you know, all four lines, and it's that's the. Uh, that's the way Barry Trotz has coached this team up, and it, it was exactly what they wanted. And you know, they they love playing the close two two to one games, and uh, so yeah, they they were pretty ready for playoff mode, I thought. And then going over your Coyotes upset the Predators, which was that was also a very that was a very that was an extremely exciting series, I thought. I thought that was a ton of fun to watch. Um, yeah, for sure. I think I. Uh... Before we before we fully touch on the Coyotes, I want to just quickly make note of the fact that you you brought up that too many men penalty for for the Islanders. I've seen so the Coyotes took one. Um, I think the Predators took one. The Coyotes yeah. one was a blatant one too. It was I know uh, Tyson Nash, the 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 color announcer for the Coyotes, sounded surprised. He was like, "Oh, I wonder if they're going to catch him for this." I was like, "I don't know how they can't." There were there were very clearly six Coyotes on the ice at the same yeah, time. Some of them have been so And crazy. OEL was, like, on his way skating back, like, yeah. to try and hop over the boards. He wasn't even just, like, standing by the boards. He was in the middle of the ice. So I almost wonder, like, before we get into the Coyotes series, we, we, were, we were sort of musing before this all started, talking about what we thought was going to – what it was going to look like when all these teams came back from essentially these giant breaks – Sure. Where 
they weren't really able to get out and play much together. Um, like, obviously, they were able to work out. It seems like every player bought himself a Peloton. Yeah. Um, you, can't, you can't practice the rules of the game on a Peloton, right? Yeah, you, can, you can stay right. in shape. You can stay conditioned. You can try shooting pucks in your backyard. Some of them have ice rinks that they've built in their basements using the, the artificial ice. But for the most part, they had, like, four or five months of being caged up inside, which is it wreaks havoc on your mental mental system, and then had to just sort of jump back into back we, into playing. And I, I feel like there were a lot of unforced errors like that, like yeah, too many sure. men. That's, that's such a dumb penalty to take. Isn't and that then, more on coaching though? A penalty like that? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Yeah, I think part of it's coaching and part of it's player awareness. Sure. I know uh, there's there's a joke from anybody who's bored and wants to wants to peruse YouTube. If you look up. The, the Edmonton Oilers played a man down for almost a minute during a game, right during like the peak. It had to have been after, had to have been after about, it must have been the 2013-14 season or something. Because I know Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Taylor Hall, Jordan Everly were all on the team during their like most miserable years. Um, they played a man down completely by accident for a minute. Yeah, And they were like, somebody has to, the announcers are like, there's only four Oilers on the ice. They can't clear their own zone because they're a man down. Why is nobody on the bench noticing this? And I think that finally Jordan Eberle was like, like, fuck this. Like nobody else is going out there. I'm just going to jump over the boards and joined, joined the rush and finally helped them clear out of their own zone. But that's, that's partially a player thing too. And you look at like I know it's been a it's been a joke in in Canucks land because um, I know we get a few Canucks listeners. Um, Tyler Myers, all six oh, foot nine of him or whatever, has so many penalties. Nine penalties in four games. That's insane. There are some guys that don't take nine penalties all season. And Harmon Dial, he's a he's the Athletic Vancouver. He's one of their lead writers. Um, he tweeted out he was like sincere question. Does Tyler Myers know the rules of the game? <laughs> Does how, how he do know how scratch, to play the NFL not, game? How do you not scratch him when when I, you have a guy? I, I have no idea, but a guy that's clearly constantly putting and, you down, a man. And that's the thing is, people were like, "Hey, a lot of the things he's doing, like, Zdeno Char would be getting away with that." But after your second penalty, when the refs call you for something that you maybe think someone else would get away with like you clue in right yeah you realize i'm not gonna get away with this while everyone else is yeah yeah exactly so i can't do this he didn't he didn't seem to figure that out so i almost wonder if that you know we see stuff like that tyler myers taking nine penalties we saw at least three or four teams take too many men penalties for sure no reason yeah uh we've seen these goalies with the rvh fails sergey bobrovsky accidentally stayed standing when he should have dropped we saw it i think it was Semyon varlamov thought he was evgeny nabokov out there for a little <laughs> bit um started playing just like straight up stand-up goaltending um we've seen i think people people keep sending me screenshots of goalies facing the wrong way yeah completely out of, out of the crease laying down yeah. on their butt feet in the air and i think we've been getting some it it's not that the hockey's been sloppy it's actually oh. looked really good but yeah. i think we've just been i think this is the evidence that they were off for five months in quarantine it's just these little sure. stupid things that they keep doing and i'm okay with that i mean i think it's 
it's entertaining. You know, if the game's being played perfectly, yeah, it's fun. But seeing, you know, seeing Marc-Andre Fleury in a perfect butterfly glove outstretched six feet wide of his own net, that's hysterical. Yeah. Seeing Darcy Kemper laying down behind the net with his feet in the air, that's funny. Seeing Braden Holtby turned around facing his net, that's funny. And then seeing every one of his players slide into the net to try and like form a, a human body wall since he's like facing the wrong way, that's funny. I think it's it's fun. And I'm I'm okay with that if that's our if that's what we're getting is the outcome of, of quarantine, I, I'm okay with that. I'm not sure Canucks fans are because I think they're tired of Tyler Myers, but I'm okay with it. <laughs> but, sure. but moving on to uh to that that Coyote series, like you said, it was it was super exciting. I think uh a lot of people were were really pumping Darcy Kemper's tires. I think he I think he got the job done in games three and four. I whatever. He was I think he was good. Um, yeah. I don't think he was incredible. Um, he made high volume saves, but kind of what you were talking about with with the Leafs and Eunice Corpusalo, I don't think that he was overly tested with some of those saves. There was a lot of a lot of one and dones, right? He was he was really good at getting in position for that first save, and the defense was really good at preventing a second one off of his rebound or a third one. So I think he he looked good. But the big thing, and we talked about it before the series started, that's not a team that's necessarily known for offensive consistency. And right. every game they won, they scored four goals. Sure. For the Coyotes, huge. Yeah. That to me was, I think I think Darcy Kemper was good. I think their offense was better. They're, and that's what, the, I feel like that's what they're definitely going to need against Colorado in the next round. Colorado is a very, I mean, they're going to need, you know, they're going to need Kemper to be great. Like, I think he's going to have to be great for them because Colorado is a very high-octane offense, right? Like, they have they have very strong forwards. McKinnon, uh, Kadri, I, I don't remember who else. Uh, Kale McCarr, great offensive defenseman. Like, they have a lot of firepower, and I think their Coyotes defense is going to have to continue to play well, and I think, like, Kepner is going to really have to step up his game, right? Would, would you agree? Absolutely. I think, uh, especially when you look at that, in a, in a perfect world, the top line for Colorado, and by perfect world, not for Coyotes fans, but for, for Colorado, when they're able to put Miko Rantanen and yeah. Gabriel Landeskog on Nathan sure. McKinnon's wing, Stack. that's the a, a line because they do such a good job of positioning yeah. when, it, when, it, when it comes to that forecheck. They have such a well-placed forecheck. Um, they really, they read each other well. They get set up for good first shots and then for really good rebound pickups. And they, they just do such a good job with that, finding their openings, really good passing. They get the goaltender moving. There's a lot of really good slot line passes for them. Um, I think Nazem Kadri is a fantastic addition to that lineup. Andre Burakovsky has been kind of a thorn in Arizona's side. I feel like he scored the game-winning goals for for Colorado both times for some reason. Um you know, they have even even Valerie Nachushkin. I know that he hasn't been what the Dallas Stars thought he was going to be, right? When when they first brought him in, I think his rookie year he had. I'm going to pull it up right now just to, to take a gander. But he had 14 goals, 34 points his first year after getting drafted as an 18-year-old, 79 games. 
never quite hit that again. But this year in 65 games for, for Colorado, he had 13 goals and 27 points. I think that's that's really good offensive depth right there. You have someone like that. You have, like you said, Kale McCarr. Um, looking down their lineup, Eunice Donskoy, another underrated guy that they picked up. I believe they signed him as a free agent out of out of San Jose. Um, Tyson Jost hasn't been quite what they needed him to be, but then you've got Matthew Nato, who of Long Beach, California. I know they love to talk about that. Um, they've just got a lot of really, really good names that are in that lineup that I think I thought, do, uh, do a really I thought good they job. Had- the guy they got from the center is uh, Nam Stinkskov or whatever his name is. Uh, Vladislav Nemesnikov. Yes, thank you. Um, I thought that was a really <laughs> solid. I thought that was a really solid pickup too, though. For their like, he's a great bottom six player. I feel like. And yeah, he's a. Him, you can stick him on your third line. Like that's that's fine. You don't need to. You don't need him to produce a ton, but like he's he's good to have in the top nine on your third line. I feel like right. You don't you don't need him to produce, but but he also can, and that's the thing. He, sure, uh, absolutely. He's kind of bounced around a lot, which surprises me because I think he's a I think he's a fun guy. Um, plays kind of that heavier style of hockey. Um, he scored 20 goals for the Tampa Bay Lightning in the 17-18 season, and then went on to score two more after getting traded to the New York Rangers, who had 22 goals that season. Hasn't quite hit that number again but he had 11 goals in 78 games his first full year with the rangers that was not a good rangers team um right this past year he was on the rangers and then the senators and then the avalanche and between those three teams he still managed to pick up 17 goals i think that's that's a really solid depth player right there he scored a goal in one of the in one of the three games he played for colorado during their their playing round there yeah, they've got they've got a lot of depth there, and I think that they match up against Arizona well. For Arizona, um, I think Arizona gets steamrolled by Vegas a lot. Um, whether Mark Andre Fleury is playing well or not, I think they just the offense and the way that Vegas plays doesn't match up particularly well for Arizona. Um, I think that the game is usually a little bit closer for Colorado and Arizona, but I know that. Arizona can't be lured into a false sense of security there because I believe when they played each other this year, Colorado was missing both Gabriel Landeskog and Miko Rantanen. Um, And so if they think that that's the Colorado they're getting in the playoffs, like they're sorely mistaken. Um, So I think that's going to be, I think it's going to be fun. Um, It's going to be a really exciting series. Um, I'm also super excited though. And we, we talked about that with, with Matt shot earlier that that Vegas Chicago series. Sure. I shouldn't say that a series that's not, you know, one of our one of our teams there, uh, Arizona or, or the Islanders. I shouldn't say that a different series is going to be the most exciting, but I think that one's going to be a blast. Yeah. I think I think Vegas is going to steamroll Chicago, but I think that's going to be really fun. Yeah. I think Chicago really showed some signs of life against Edmonton. Yeah, I and I also think, yeah, I mean, Edmonton is just. <laughs> between their defense and goaltending man like i i didn't know is that I, I had them to win in four or five games and uh i was wrong <laughs> but you were wrong <laughs> i was wrong and i I, I feel vindicated because i think on every single podcast and radio show i went on i like almost obnoxiously so hollered about Corey crawford 
I like got in everyone's face. Yeah, just leave it on Corey Crawford. And sure enough, it's not like he played the most amazing games in the world. Um, he did allow six goals at one point. I don't want to talk yeah. about it. Um, There's a lot of high but, school games. <laughs> yeah, but I think as the series went on, he started to tighten up. Um, I think he did better than Mike Smith. Um, sure. I think I did better than Mike Smith. <laughs> like, yeah, I think uh, I think my couch did better than Mike Smith. But yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see Corey Crawford versus Robin Lehner. Those are those are two of my favorite guys to watch. Um, I'm kind of curious to see how uh, how those two teams stack up when it comes to uh, just the chemistry. You, you you look at the way that certain teams play each other, and I think that certain teams put up a, a better show, right? I think yeah. that, like, you put, uh, like, when Vancouver and Calgary play each other, I think that's always a shit show. When Arizona yeah. plays, I think when Arizona plays Nashville, there's always something exciting and sparky that happens in that. Um, and we kind of don't know what that looks like for, for Vegas and Chicago, because Vegas came in just as Chicago was starting to fade from the picture. So I'm kind of curious to see what that what that dynamic looks like for us for a series. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, what I'm really curious about is you watch you we you know watch these knockout games and the games in the knockout round and they're they're playoff games right like right they're, they're all playing these teams are playing for their quote unquote lives here to go to the next round uh, but then you have these round robin games and. <laughs> they count they count for seeding or whatever but listen they're not the same intensity as the not knock, like the teams playing the knockout rounds right and i'm just so you're gonna have teams coming in from the knockout round that were you know basically playing playoff hockey for the past week and are like you know they're in that mode now and they're gonna be playing these you know teams that played in the round robin that really you know they there are some good games in the round robin but again it, it wasn't that intensity so i'm it's going to I think that's going to be really interesting to see off the bat how how these round robin teams are going to have to adjust to playing these these like again playing like a team like Columbus or the Islanders or the Coyotes you know uh yeah I think that's going to be really interesting to see like I the, think that's a really good point uh, listen the Bruins stunk the Bruins are terrible yeah. in the past they are they're in, they're playing the Hurricanes and I th- I would I think the Hurricanes can win that series. The only reason I'm kind of shying away right now is because they've had a pretty long layoff now too. And I always think that can be problematic when you're a playoff team having a long layoff. Like I, so, but the Hurricanes look great in that first round and the Bruins have not looked good. Like they just, they look, look, okay. Look, (laughs) hold on. So (laughs) I, I I tweeted about this. Um, I'm convinced that, the Bruins are playing chess. They're playing three-dimensional chess. The rest of you guys are playing checkers. Um, Why, you think they want the Hurricanes? I think they they wanted to save their energy, okay? I think they, yeah, they I can... treated this like a like a warm-up. Sure. They didn't go all out. They sure not to get injured. They played like shit. Got, got, their, got their round-robin games over quickly. Now they can go into the serious games. They have, look... Their captain's like 500 years old. Zidane Ochara only has so many games in him. He knew I know, these games cr- didn't count. Krejci's getting old. Bergeron's getting older. Like I, I get it. I, I understand what you're saying, and that could be absolutely be the case. But uh, they looked like garbage, though. No, they, they looked, they looked real bad. Um, I'm, but, I'm intrigued by that. 
I, I think that will be interesting too because the Hurricanes are gonna have to shake off rust too. That's just they they ended their series first and good for them. Uh, they steamrolled steamrolled uh, the Rangers and it was fun watching Tony D'Angelo flop around and get sunned by like <laughs> that entire team that just ruled. Um, I think everyone on Twitter enjoyed that, but. Yeah, the Hurricanes are going to have to shake off some rust. The Bruins, who have, they're going to have to kick it into high gear. And so that series will be interesting. Um, yeah, and like the, I don't know, the Canadians were a big upset team. They beat the Penguins, which was kind of hilarious. And now they're going to go against the Flyers. I feel like, I feel like they'll give the Flyers a tough time, but the Flyers look like they look good right now. Even they for, look amazing. Even for a round robin team, they look like they're ready to go. I, I could see them coming out of the East. I thought that was uh, I thought that was super interesting because I've I've been kind of high on what the Flyers have been doing for for a while and even back when Ron Hextall was still in charge, I thought that was a a team that was doing the right things. They had Hextall and I thought Dave Hextall was a really really good coaching addition. It seemed like every year, whatever they put together as a team, they tanked. And it wasn't even just that they signed the wrong goalies. It was like it was like someone shook like the sad stick over them at the beginning of the season because they went through like 20 goalies a season. Everybody kept getting hurt. Claude Drew couldn't figure it out. Sean Couturier did well, but somehow couldn't carry the team. Like I don't I don't know what happened. They had they had guys like Shane Gosisbear and still couldn't like figure their stuff out. And it's like quietly we all started to forget them because they would come feet and it seems like that's what they were doing to start this season again and people were getting super upset and then we all just sort of discarded them like like I don't think I've even thought about the Detroit Red Wings since like February Right. I kind of forgot about the Flyers too and I, I feel like I wasn't the only person to sort of just cast them aside like they were a team they had gritty gritty's fun but like they snuck up on us there and I think that they're they look like a legit threat like they look like a complete team they don't look like the team that put up such a stinker of a playoff performance that their fans started throwing Ed Snyder bracelets on the ice yeah <laughs> oh my God. they don't look like they don't look like that team anymore that's they they look like a legit playoff contender and I think that's kind of cool I mean I'm not by any stretch, I'm not a I'm not a Flyers fan. Um, yeah. I that's not a team that I've ever rooted for. But I think there's there's just something about them. They're kind of like the Bruins that they get under your skin. Sure. And when right. they're playing well and getting under your skin like that, that's entertainment. And, and I, I think that if they can keep that up, that's going to be a ton of fun to watch. It seems like they're ang- they're finally after they're anchored by good goaltending. Like Carter Hart seems like he's gonna be the real deal, and even though he looks like a child, <laughs> he he's, looks like he no, looks like he's twelve. He looks he looks so young, but uh, he, listen, he he's I think he's gonna be a great goalie, and they he they finally have their goalie. Excuse me. What was that? He's already. Oh He's yeah. already a great goalie. I, I agree. I, I think perfect. Yeah, I I think he they found their goalie of the future is what I'm saying. He looks good, and uh, I mean I think Montreal will put up a good fight. I think so many people counted them out going into this thing Montreal and uh they took care of Pittsburgh pretty easily so I yeah I think uh I don't know we'll see it would be fun to watch Carey Price versus uh Carter Hart I think in that round they'll they'll be 
maybe we'll get some good goaltending on both ends. We sure hope so. Yeah. I'm I'm getting really tired of seeing goalies upside down on their heads, on their backs. Like, as funny as it's been, like, I want to see at least one series that's just elite goaltending. Like, just one. I just want one. Okay. Yes, I, I agree. Um, and I think that'll be it. Before we wrap up, let's go. I'm gonna go through each round, and you tell me who's gonna who's gonna win with the okay. Western Eastern Conference. I'll, you give me your picks, and I'll give you mine. So we'll All start right. off with in the Western Conference. We got Vegas and Chicago. Who do you like in that? EDK, Chicago, Vegas, easy. Who are you taking? What about you? I'm taking Vegas. Easy. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm taking Ve- taking Vegas. Uh, let's do Colorado, Arizona. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, mm, I don't want to jinx Arizona. I feel like by taking Nashville last time, I enabled Arizona to prove me wrong. So I'm going to take Colorado. Okay. So I took Arizona last time. So it's a continue their good. You have to continue the juju. Yeah. I'll continue the juju and I'll take, uh, Arizona. I hope they win. Um, I hope that I think that could be I think that has a potential to be a great series too. So we'll we'll see what happens with that. Uh, next is Dallas Calgary. I really can't get a read on that. I, I would go, <laughs> I'd go Dallas, I guess. I'm gonna go Calgary on this one because um, yeah. I think that Dallas looked like like we were talking about how bad Boston looked during the round robin. Dallas, Dallas looked, looked pretty, like hot trash. Yeah, Dallas looked lifeless. So I could I could see Calgary coming in and taking care of business. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to go Dallas for now. you Dallas. Uh, All right. Um, St. Louis, Vancouver. Who do you like in that? Um, St. Louis. Yeah, I think I'm going to take St. Louis too. Um, I just, I, I think that Vancouver is fun. And with no disrespect to all of my Vancouver friends out there, I think it's going to be a hard series. I think it's going to be a messy and fun and kind of like Arizona, Colorado. But I still, I I mean, you've got, you've got guys like, uh, like Alex Petrangelo on one side, then you've got Tyler Myers on the other. And that's with no disrespect to Quinn Hughes. I already had someone yell at me on Twitter, tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. No, that's fun. Because the Quinn Hughes, yeah, Canucks fans never change. Please, you guys, you guys are the best. Um, in the you're very mean. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I don't think that Vancouver is quite there yet, and that's okay. I think they, they took a huge step forward this yeah, year. They won a postseason round. So that's big for them. Yeah, but that, that's great. I mean, listen, St. Louis is still, they're still the champs, and I, I, I just see them going to the next round. Like, they're that's still a pretty well put together team over in St. Louis. I feel like. Agreed. Um, all right, so we both have St. Louis for that. That round, heading over to the Eastern Conference, we got Philly-Montreal. I think we both like Philly, right? Oh, yeah. Tampa Bay-Columbus, a rematch of uh, that huge upset from last year. I think this will be another pretty fun series. Uh, Columbus just, you know, they seem to pull, up these, pull out these upsets right now. So who, who they weren't even supposed – they weren't – a team that was even supposed to be in the postseason when you went back to October and looked at their roster, right? With all the turnover they had, losing Panarin, losing Bobrovsky. Uh, who else did they lose? Uh, uh, Matthew Zangle, Shane. Right? Matthew yeah, Shane, Zangle. Yeah. So. I was I was nervous about that. Um, 
and I know I talked with uh, with some goalie coaches around the league before the season started. They went into the season with two unproven guys, one who'd never played in North America, period, one who had like 40 games of NHL experience. And then behind Elvis Merzlikens and Eunice Corpusalo, they have Vaini Vilhalainen and uh, Mattis Kivletskis. <laughs> so they yeah. have another Finn and another Latvian. So they have two Finnish guys, two Latvian guys. None of them had any real NHL experience. Only one of them had NHL experience. I believe only two of them had North American experience at all. And I was nervous that Elvis was going to need a little bit of conditioning time and they weren't going to have anyone to come up and it was going to snowball their season. And instead, Corpus Allo took a big step forward. And I love that goaltending depth now. I think yeah. they they have such a quality tandem there. And I, I just, I don't see that in Tampa Bay. As much as I love Vasilevsky, I think they overwork him. I think he's tired by March. I know he's been rested, but... I just, I think, you know, if he makes a mistake and has a poor game, they have, what, the the corpse of Curtis McElhaney? Yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I think Columbus is determined. I think they believe that they're the underdogs. And yeah. they're, I think Tampa Bay's fun. They're good. They're a good team. I just, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give this one to Columbus. Yeah, I think, um. I think I'm gonna have to agree with you there, just because I that mojo they got right now. And listen, like everyone likes to rag on Tortorella, like it's fun. And, I love him, but he's he's a good coach. Like let's call a spade a spade here. He's a good coach, <laughs> like and he's got he's got this team. Uh, you know they they upset Tampa last year. They just upset the Leafs. I I think I have to go with Columbus, and I think Tampa might be without. Hedman, he got hurt, uh, I think, last night. So yeah, he did. I don't know if he's going to be ready, and that's that's huge. He's one of the best defensemen in the game, and losing him would hurt. Uh, and Columbus is, I think, relatively healthy at, right now. Or from what I understand, yeah, I so, think Zach Zach Wierenski's back. Um, yeah, he scored. We don't tonight. know what's going on with Elvis. Yeah, that's that's really the big question mark. We don't know if Elvis Merzlikens is going to be ready to play or not. But again, that's fine because they have that other guy who I can't follow. Yeah. Yeah. And Mattis, let me let me see if I can find it. Mattis K. Spain. Mattis Kivlenix is what it looks like. Um, also from Riga, Latvia, same place that uh, that Elvis Merzlikens is from. And then we've got Eunice Corpusalo, who is from. Uh, He's from Pori in Finland, and then I wish I, I'm probably going to butcher, but I'm going to try and say where, where Vaini, Vaini Vevalainen is okay. from Huvaskula in Finland, so that's exciting. Those those all sound like made-up places, so yeah. that's yeah, exciting. Yeah. Th- those guys aren't real. Those are, you just made <laughs> None up. of those are real. None of those places are real. It's all a yeah. lie. Um, John Tortorella invented it to troll us. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, so final two series. Let's see what we, what we want to do there. Which one? We have, we have two more series that we yes. need to predict. So we like Columbus. Both of us like Columbus. Uh, then we have the Washington Capitals and the New York Islanders. I think 
that's going to be a really intriguing series, obviously, because um, it's Barry Trotz's old team. I think he knows them pretty well. And I don't think Holtby has been great. He hasn't been great this season. Um, he hasn't looked, he looked, oh, he's looked okay, I think, in the round robin. They won today against the Bruins, but I don't think Washington has looked. Not saying much. <laughs> Was that? I said yeah. that's not saying much. Sure. So I. I think this is going to be a, this is really I think this goes to seven and I think I'm just going to take the Islanders but the key for the Islanders is uh, can't can't put Washington on the power play because like Florida they have you know they have Alexander Ovechkin just lined up on uh, right on that dot firing one timers that always seem to go in so on the on the power play so that's going to be huge staying out of the box but if they can play their game that they've played against Florida. I, I think they have a, you know, I, I think it's, I, I could see it being a 50, 50 series. So I'm just going to go Islanders in seven. And I'll take, uh, I'll take the capitals. Um, wow. After I picked the coyotes for you, are you kidding me? I'm trying to do the same thing. I'm trying to Fine. trying to make sure I don't jinx the Islanders. Um, I, I don't like Tom Wilson. I think he's, oh, fu- I think he plays so, yeah. the game the wrong way. Yeah, but I, I think too. he's an X factor. I he think is. he's an X factor. It's really hard to, really hard to deny that he's a difference maker. You know, I think, um, I think he's got an offensive touch um, that I didn't think he was ever going to fully reach his his offensive potential. I thought he was going to end up being one of those bottom six guys. I thought he was going to end up being almost like Lawson Carlos, but a little bit dirtier. Yeah. And instead, he's. He's impressed me. Um, I think he's. I'm. I'm gonna pull up his stats really fast. Yeah, he's had. He had 22 goals last year. 21 goals this year. He finally. He's. He's a legit power forward. Um, and I. I think it's really hard to deny that he, when he gets going in the postseason, he does a really good job. Uh, listen, and I. And yeah, I. I definitely. That's hard to deny. I know they've got they've got other like obviously that's not even talking about Alex Ovechkin, Nicholas Backstrom, um, T.J. Oshie. Yeah, T.J. Oshie. I always forget about him. Um, Jacob Vrana. He had 25 goals this year. Evgeny Kuznetsov. Yeah. Forgot about him too. He had 19 goals, 52 points. John Carlson, who inexplicably had 75 points in 69 games this year, which first off, nice. Um, yeah. But like. Holy smokes! I completely forgot about that. Um, yeah, so that's that's a legit lineup right there. They have Radko Gudis, who I think um, is secretly nice. a very good player. Um, I just think he's a little boneheaded. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't think he's a, much of an X factor though. I don't. I think he can sometimes be kind of a, a sneaky. But when it comes to the depth. When we yeah. look beyond those top guys and you look beyond Dmitry Orlov, John Carlson, you know, they also have on their lower pairings, they don't have Tyler Myers, they have Radko Gudis. And that's that I think is one of those like sneaky little X factors. They have they have Carl Haglin. I think he hasn't quite reached his potential during the playoffs this year. Um, I think he's he's got the potential to, to do a lot better than he has so far. He only has one assist, um three games. Um yeah, I think uh, I think that's gonna be tricky, uh, but I do think it's gonna end up being being one of those seven game series. I think it's gonna be fun. So yeah, and you know it's gonna be. I think it's what's really interesting is these two teams played in the 2014 2015 
playoffs. Uh, and a lot of the, a lot of these guys, a lot of these guys around the, on the Islanders played in that series. And Tom Wilson is extremely, I mean, he's a dirty player and, you know, I think they're going to remember that. And they've always kind of had a chip on their shoulder when it came to him. So it's going to be fun to watch probably Matt Martin chase him around the ice and try to fight him. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, I think that's, that's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think that'll be a good series. It, it's, it's going to, it's super intriguing with uh, Barry Trotz. He knows that team. He won a couple. Right. It's, there's not a lot of turnover from that cup. So I, I think he knows that he probably has a pretty good idea what their game plan is going to be. So that'll be a fun, fun series to watch too. I think, I think that'll be super tight checking low scoring series. Um, and then finally, we have your Boston Bruins versus the Carolina Hurricanes. I'm taking the Canes just because I do not like what I see from the Bruins. But you said you think they'll get going. I do. I'm gonna I'm gonna take Boston because I really I I thought this was their year. You know, I sure. think they they Absolutely. came they came so incredibly close last year, and it really it came down to that last game where I think the team just forgot how to play in front of Tuka Rask and he didn't play his best game, but he played far from his worst. And I think they just sort of, they let him down. Um, I think they've, they've got something to prove. Um, I think it's at the very least, it's going to be fun. Um, I'm kind of curious to see what's going to happen with, uh, with Brad Marchand. Um, Cause I don't think he's really, I don't think he's looked like himself so far during the playoffs Um, during the round Robin. He's he's gone scoreless, which is wild. You know, you look back at at his prior playoff totals. He's played 111 playoff games. He has 30 goals and 83 points in 111 games. That's that's an incredible total. You know, he had 23 points in 24 games last year, 17 points in 12 games the year prior. He had nothing through the first three. So I think I don't think he can hold that. He can really hold that up for very long. Um, he obviously finished the season with 28 goals, which was nothing compared to David Pasternak, who the the tweeter of Tom Wilson compliments. Um, he was also scoreless during the round robin, which is crazy. Right. Eventually, um, these guys are going to find the back of the net. Yeah. I mean, he he had 19 points, 24 games last, 12 games the year before. It's he has 43 points in 45 total playoff games so far. Um, I don't know how he possibly, even if Patrice Bergeron, who, like you said, is getting kind of old, older, he's 34 right now. That hurts my heart. Um, he only had one point during the playoffs. So even if he's, you know, if this break took its toll on him and it takes him longer to warm up and get himself ready to go, um, I still think the other two, it's, once they get rolling, it's really hard to stop them. And I think the Canes have a lot of really exciting players. They have Sebastian Ajo. Um, I don't like their goaltending, though. I think James Reimer is fantastic. I, I don't love Peter Mrazek. I don't love his consistency. So I think if, uh, if something happens good, to Reimer. They both look good in the against the Rangers, right? I mean. Well, that's, that's the Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But, I mean, yeah. So I... I I get what you're saying. What's interesting is... I think it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. Because I, I, if I had to choose between Tuka Rask and Yaroslav Halak and Peter Mrazek and yeah. James Reimer, I'm taking Yaro Halak and Tuka Rask every time. Oh, of course. But so, And also, the Bruins... This is a Bruins team that swept 
the Hurricanes out of the playoffs last year in the conference finals, right? So, right. you know, I, yeah, they they could probably they probably will kick it to high year, um, but until I see them do that, I'm taking the Hurricanes just on base what I saw. But again, yeah, I would take. If Tukarask plays like who Tukarask is a great playoff performer, by the way, when you look at his numbers, and I don't know why people rag on him, but he's an incredible playoff They're goalie. Boston fans. Yeah, Boston it's fans. Uh, like when I was uh, working at that, at, um, covering that 2013 team for the sports radio station I was working at. Uh, they hate they they blame that loss on that Stanley Cup loss. He's he got them. I know they did. I hated it's, that. It's he's an incredible goalie. He's a great playoff performer. Be thankful you have a franchise goalie that like shows up. You just went to game seven of the Stanley Cup last year. Anyway, if he if he's on his game, I the Bruins should be okay. So but I'm just taking the Hurricanes for now. But I think that'll be a fun series. I agree. So all right, so we have our we have our matchups, we have our predictions. I'm gonna go ahead and tweet those out for our for our followers since we didn't do that last time, and I think uh, I was egregiously wrong on everything. So I think the I only want to make sure got, that people. The only ones I got right were the Islanders and Coyotes. So. <laughs> and I think I uh, I think I got everything wrong. Um, like the whole th- I I think I I think I predicted Chicago. I think that was my great upset. I think I picked Chicago, and that that was like maybe the only thing that I got right. Um. So we'll see. Um, I'm going to give people a chance to make fun of us. But yeah, I I think we should probably wrap it up here just so we don't uh, we don't keep people on for too long before the playoffs. Um, yeah. Is there anything you want us to close off with before we go? Uh, no, I will be making all of our listeners a ska mi- mixtape, ch- like personally, just for each of our listeners. <laughs> Um, but, besides, <laughs> but besides that, no, uh, it should be an exciting week of hockey, couple weeks of hockey we got coming up. And, you know, we'll be back on to talk about what we've seen. And, you know, maybe we'll have uh, some guests from other markets and stuff like that. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Take it easy. Everybody have a wonderful, wonderful day, wonderful playoff series. And we'll, we'll catch you guys later in the series. <laughs>